Good to see you in church today. Thank you, my man, Bo. Let's give it up for the worship team. As always, phenomenal job. Good to see you out looking merry and bright. You can grab your seats. And as we do, let us welcome those that are online. How about the plaza location? Can we give the plaza some love? Oh, that was bad. There we go. We love you guys very much. And for Lansing Correctional Facility, awesome testimony we heard for every single one of our church family that are there. Um, we love you very much. I got to speak there uh, actually at the Max side of the prison a couple weeks ago, um, actually in November. And uh, it was amazing. One of the guys came up to me. He's been showing up every single week and just told me he was praying for me. And I was like, man, that just messed with me so much. So we love you. One more time. Can we go up for Lansing and the awesome team? I see Zach here. Well, I love, I love this week in particular because it is like the calm before the storm. Uh, before everything just gets elevated to the max with the tension that's put on our time and, and, and our, our, our calendar. Uh, for the students in our church, you got your final exams for the semester coming up. We got all the travel, all the things that we got to work into our budget, all the work parties and everything else in between. And I get a chance on this Sunday every single year just kind of speak and set the tone for what I believe God wants to do in this Christmas season. Because he doesn't just want us to celebrate Jesus. He wants us to grow closer to Jesus. And he wants us to get our hearts connected and things in right alignment and our inner world ordered so that he can direct our steps, not just in November or December, excuse me, but in the coming year in a beautiful way. In fact, I'm speaking to the heart of our church because the next couple of weeks with everything we have going on, we see a big influx of guests and new people, which I love because we get to kind of have that extended evangelistic reach of our church. It is so beautiful and powerful this time of year. But I know I'm speaking to church family today. And as I do that, there's just some things I feel like God wants to center and establish in your life. So I'm going to jump into the message. In fact, today I want to speak about a plan for peace. Because in the midst of all your Christmas and New Year's plans, God wants to center your heart and life with a new peace. One of the gifts that we receive when we receive Jesus is that he was uh, established and claimed as the Prince of Peace. So wherever he's in charge, wherever he rules and reigns, peace follows because he is the Prince who establishes peace. The truth is your plans will change. There will be a demand on your life. There will be struggles and situations, even this month, that will be taxing to your heart and soul. But when God is at the center and he's establishing your inside world, you can experience his peace no matter what sort of problems arise. And I want to prepare you. What I believe is going to be your best Christmas ever, not based upon your celebrations or not based upon the gifts that you receive or those that you give. But I believe because in the messiness of this season, God tends to do his very best ministry to our hearts and souls as a church family, if we cannot just claim that Jesus is the reason for the season, which we know is partially true because it rhymes. That's a joke. But we know that's what we're supposed to proclaim. But really, does the attitude and atmosphere of our heart and our soul really reflect 
that Jesus is the reason. He's the reason for life. He's the reason we have righteousness. He's the reason we have grace. He's the reason we have the love of God. He's the reason we have a hope and a future established, not just now and not just into 2023, but for all eternity. If we can fix our attention on him, we can have this plan at work in our life, no matter what changes around us, that we can walk in peace, no matter what sort of problems we face. Would you join me in prayer? Come on, Plaza and everyone online at Lansing and those in the room here up north, let's pray. Father God, we love you. Uh, we thank you first and foremost. Before we get to the 25th, we just wanna say thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus. Help us unwrap his story even more in our life. Help us integrate our life uh, with him at the center. And Lord, I thank you for all that we have planned, all that we have set on our calendars, all that we've already established. We will clear that all out to just be with you to be closer to you, to know you more, and to make you known in this world around us. God, we desire your peace. I know I'm speaking to people in our church family who are going through problems, going through struggles and situations, but God, they are not going through it alone. The Prince of Peace is there watching over them and walking with them. Lord, we thank you. You're doing something new in all of us here at Kingdom City, and in Jesus' name we pray. Can I get an amen? amen. That was bad. You can always give me a gift every Sunday with a robust response to church. So can I get an amen? Thank you. Thank you for your leadership, my friend. We're going to jump into the text. I'm going to warn you. We're going to jump into the Christmas story, but we're not going to Luke's gospel, which is kind of the romantic version. We're actually going to go to Matthew's gospel, which puts a little spin on the story that shows you how crazy the world was uh, in that time. We, we kind of get out of the angels showing up part and we get right to the problems that Jesus' birth created for other people. And the situation, the scenario that brought some struggle for some people, because I think it's going to speak to us as we kind of start this Christmas season as a church family, realizing that Jesus was born into the middle of a mess, a messy world that is still messy. And the more we are born again with him at the center of our life, he helps us navigate the mess and the problems. And he does it by ordering not everything perfect, but by giving us peace even in an imperfect world. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read for a minute. So brace yourself, follow along on the screen if you did not bring your Bibles. And by the way, bring your Bibles to church. And I'm saying this ahead of time because next year... Uh, 2023, we're going to go through the whole Bible together as a church family. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And for some of you, it'll be the very first time uh, that you've ever gone through the whole Bible, but we're going to set our calendar and our preaching and our series and our sermons, 90 plus percent of it, it's going to be on what we're reading and what we're walking through as a church family. I'm pretty excited about that. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, ask for one for Christmas and... We will give one to you today because we have one on your way out. Okay, Matthew chapter 2. It says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod, not excited. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was actually everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for, for this is what the prophet wrote. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least of the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be my shepherd over my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men and learned from them the time that the star first appeared. And he told them, hey, you go to Bethlehem. You search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Which we all know was not the plan of Herod. He wanted to terminate Jesus and any threat to his throne. And verse 9 says, after this interview, the wise men went on their way. We'll pick up the rest of the passage a little later. A plan for peace. We see that Jesus is born into a problematic situation. And just that his birth created problems for people who had their own priorities and their own plans. How many planners do we have in the room today? How many like, I, a, thir- a lot less than the 9 a.m., I'm just going to tell you. The 9 a.m. already planned to get up early and get to church. Uh, the 11 a.m., and some of you go to the 11.17 a.m. service. I'm not judging. I'm just saying you're more of the free-spirited ones of the bunch. Uh, the planners, there's planners and there's mega planners. The mega planners, like on Cyber Monday, you bought your gifts for, for next Christmas. Okay, I am not one of you. I am more of a free-spirited individual. I surround myself with administratively gifted, sometimes even boring people because they help me establish things the way that I like. I'm, not, I'm a free-spirited guy. I like to go with the, the flow. I can get lost in a conversation. I can forget about important um, appointments and things that I have scheduled, if it isn't buzzing on my phone, I can lose my way. But I want to tell you about your God. Your God is a planner. He is a planner. He, he establishes a plan from the start all the way till eternity. He has a plan at work. But he is also spontaneous when it comes to our interactions with him on the timelines of our life. He's also free-spirited. He likes to show up and change the plans. God likes to bring surprises into our life. He not only has a plan that's been working from the beginning of time till the end, but he also intervenes and interacts with us with surprises. And we see that in the Christmas story. There's both messianic prophecies from a thousand years ago that show up just at this moment that God had planned. And yet his interaction with his people, we see there's spontaneous moments as well. He's also the God of surprises. He surprises the shepherds uh, uh, outside of Bethlehem. The Bible says suddenly a great host appeared, and they were, they were terrified. He surprised Joseph. In fact, you can read that in Matthew chapter 1. The first half of Matthew is this boring lineage, which looks like Ancestry.com. And then the second part is that an angel shows up and says, Hey, Joseph, it's like Maury Povich just a little bit. It's not your child, <laughs> but you're going to raise that child. It was a surprise. Mary, the mother of Jesus, it was a shock to her, it wasn't according to her plan. But God had a plan all along, and yet he catches the people off guard sometimes because he changes their plans. And we even see that with King Herod. He loved to be in control. He thought he knew how to establish, protect, and insulate his life so that his agenda and his will could prevail. But in the story of Jesus' birth that we just read, it disrupts his well-laid 
plans. What I want to look at is the life of King Herod and the wise men and the surprises that God brings. The disruption in our life can be an opportunity for fear, an opportunity for control, an opportunity to manipulate and get things according to our plan, or when we respond to what God is doing, even though we might not know how it's going to work out, we can still walk in peace even when problems might appear. And this month, you're going to experience some problematic situations. I don't say that negatively. I say that with hope, believing that God's best will prevail in your life, but we're gonna interact with people, we're gonna interact with family, we're gonna have financial tension, we're going to have changes in the agenda, and things are gonna happen this month that could cause you to panic, cause you to quit on something good, cause you to be frustrated or even fearful, but the truth is, through it all, God is actually working a purpose, and so that we can keep our peace even in the midst of problems that arise. There are going to be surprises in your life. In fact, the more potential good in a season, the more problems you can expect. This story is the best thing to ever happen to humanity being born in a moment where the world needed a savior. God was working a plan, the potential to change everything to solve the, the, the crisis created by our sin so that God could forever be connected and love his people, you and I. That was the potential. But with the potential of something great, the enemy always brings problems as well. I believe there's potential, even this December, headed into your next year, that God wants to do something awesome. That God wants to uh, unfold his plan more for your life. But the more potential for God's best, the more you can expect the problems to arise. Inconvenience, they could lead to fear, they could lead to frustration, they could even make you feel like a failure, or it's an opportunity to trust him more as your prince of peace and experience his very best, the potential of heaven showing up in your life. Like I said before, Matthew's version the first Christmas is quite different from the one we normally read in Luke's gospel. But when it shows up, it starts out by saying, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. Now, you might not know this, but Matthew's target audience for his gospel story is the Jewish people. He was showing them how they could connect the messianic prophecies about their savior with this man named Jesus. His target audience was to Jewish people in the first century. And for, that's why he goes through that lineage in the first chapter of his gospel. And then this is why he starts out by saying, hey, this all happened during the rule of King Herod, which would have shocked most of them back then because King Herod was a bad king. He was an evil person. He was murderous. He murdered his own wife, his three sons, his mother-in-law, his brothers-in-law, his uncle, anyone else he saw as a threat to his plan, he exterminated. And I'm not gonna use the life of King Herod to preach to you about how to deal with your family this Christmas. <laughs> but I'm saying this, he was a control freak, a manipulator, maniacal, to get his way at any cost. And Jesus enters into this. 
And we think of this Christmas story as one filled with just peace and tranquility and serenity. No, it shows us that Jesus enters right into the middle of a mess, which is good news. If you got some mess in your life, Jesus wants to show up. Jesus was born into a corrupt culture, people filled with agendas, people trying to have their own way, and he disrupts everything ultimately for the glory of God. In verse, chapter, verse three of chapter two, it says, King Herod was what? Deeply disturbed. So was the whole city. The original Greek there where the word disturbed means to shake violently. The Bible tells us that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, so that which cannot be shaken will remain. And for some of you, if you've had a shaking in your life, I'm not saying all of it was the plan of God. Some of them might just be the problems of this world. Some might be problems of your own creating. But God will sometimes allow things to be shaken up so that his plan can prevail. So the thing that remains will stand. It says that Herod was disturbed because Jesus poised a threat to his plan. And I wonder, and I'm not saying this to you, I'm saying this about all of us, if there isn't a little bit of King Herod in us sometimes, that we, even as believers, just gotta have our plan. We want God to bless our plan. We want God to show up in our timeline. We want God to do things the way that we desire. I do believe God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but the sooner you come to the realization as a maturing believer that God's got a plan and it's best for us to get in on his plan and watch and see that it's better than the one that you picked out for yourself. Although when you walk according to God's plans, you're going to face some, some problems. So do not let your perfect plans make you miss God's purposes for your life. And don't let your failed plans cause you to lose your faith or forfeit your peace. Herod wanted his throne secured, but God was trying to usher in a new kingdom. Herod wanted to sit over his little place of occupancy. Jesus came to occupy every heart, every life for all of time. And so sometimes when you just fight so much to keep your plan, you're forfeiting the peace that you can receive, not without problems, but by getting in on the plan of heaven for your life. You gotta have a plan for peace, and in your plan for peace, I wanna tell you this first thing, you need to go ahead and plan for problems. Again, it's not very positive, but the truth is when Jesus is at the center, when he's born into the messiness of your life, he is going to create some problems. It's even said about, Jesus says about himself, that I actually, I, I didn't come just to make everything perfect, He's the perfect one, but he actually came to bring division. It's a place of choosing that when he sits on the throne of your heart, your agendas need to change and your control needs to go or else you're always gonna find yourself shaking at a place without the stability of his peace. When you start expecting that you might have problems in life, it shows you where to go and find your problem solver, the Prince of Peace. The truth is, in this month, how could you not have some sort of problems? Like, there's such a demand on your life. You come in face-to-face -face with family and probably some pain and some absence or some maybe even bitterness or unforgiveness. There's, there's issues that arise this season. It's one big bowl of emotional eggnog that happens this time of year. There's so much you're trying to do. So many of you are just thinking about this year didn't work out the way that you wanted, the way that you planned. And so you're preparing 
for next year with a little bit of disappointment in your 2022. And, and things just begin to shake a little bit in your life. Why? Because if you're walking with God, there's going to be some problems that arise. So we go ahead and we, we, we're going to change our plans. According to let, God, to let God be the one that determines. See, the very essence of a problem in your life is it was something that wasn't a part of your plan. Like, I always say this, like, you've heard it before, church would be amazing if it wasn't for all the people. <laughs> Why? Because people present problems. But church would be irrelevant without people. So to have people in your life, to be walking in community, to be building a family, is going to represent some problems or bring some problems from time to time. But if you go ahead and plan ahead of time that my life is going to have some problems, but I do life with a problem-solving God, you can live at peace no matter what you're pushing up against. See, King Herod wasn't the only one that got surprised with a problem or an interruption, but he was the only one that tried to resist it. The shepherds went along for the journey. Joseph said yes to raising Jesus. Mary said yes to receiving, conceiving, and delivering Jesus. They all responded to problems that Jesus created, to interruptions as a divine invitation to step into the unknown. The Magi that we'll read about in a moment, and they, they showed up to meet with Herod. The Magi, they, they went on a, maybe a three-year journey of disruption because they wanted to get close to Jesus. Mary so famously said when the angel told her the plan, she said, how could this happen? How could this possibly be? This isn't in my plans. But then she responds with faith by saying, okay, go ahead and be it unto me according to your word. In other words, whatever your agenda is, God, I'll say yes. She said, I wasn't planning for this, but I believe there's a purpose in this. And the sooner you realize that the problems of your life, God can actually turn them around for good. Romans 8, 28. That even the struggles in your life, God can actually use it to strengthen you and to grow you. The more you're going to have peace, no matter what sort of problems come against you. See, divine interruptions and problems are God's way to take you on a better path and to make you into a better man or a better woman. These I think some of the greatest opportunities in life come in the form of a problem that you cannot solve because you need God's help to get through it. And Herod, Herod is threatened by Jesus because in his mind, he doesn't get to rule. But Jesus had no plans to usurp Herod's throne. He had bigger plans. And God has bigger plans for you. When you can get out of control, of, being, of holding on to control. You grab a hold of in that freedom of surrender. What does surrender look like? It looks like hands up. When you get your hands up and hands off of manipulating your own life for your own agenda, and I'm not saying don't have a plan and a five-year plan and a budget for your life. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying in your inner heart, being willing to put hands up and surrender to Jesus, then you are actually able to receive something that's bigger, something that's greater. We gotta get this plan for peace, and in this plan for peace, you need to know you're gonna have some problems, and when there comes problems, there's always the opportunity to panic. You need to plan for the opportunity to panic. That there's gonna be a time when you will not know what to do, and you'll either shake violently and throw a fit like Herod did, or you'll worship passionately, pray fervently, trust God directly, and see what he wants to do, and walk with him on the journey that he's prepared for you.
plan for some potential panic. And the more you do that, the more you order your inside world in a place of priority. The more that broken plans and delays don't cause panic in your life, but it helps you keep your peace. If you have a, listen, a predetermined approach to how you're gonna handle changes and challenges, you will not freak out. You will not have all your anxious thoughts overwhelm your heart and your mind because you'll have a predetermined response. This is a life lesson. I actually learned this. My dad says this all the time. Don't react, respond. When we react, it's a knee jerk. It's an emotional thing. We've all done that. When it's something your spouse says and you react and, and say the wrong thing and you get a lump of coal in your stocking. <laughs> when you react, it's normally not good. But when you pause for a moment and respond, there's this filter of the fruit of the Spirit. There's this serenity that comes with inviting God's investigation of your motives, your attitudes, and your actions and behaviors. When you learn how to respond, you're going to do a whole lot better than when you react. And in this coming season, with the tension and the trials that you might face, if you don't just react in the moment, but you respond by the plan of heaven for your life, you're gonna find a whole lot more peace this year than you did the year before. In military training, they throw everything they can at you, wear you down, to take you through live rounds of ammo flying around you, bombs being dropped off around you, take you without sleep, running for miles and miles and miles, maybe even living on less and less. They strip you down and make it as bad as possible so when it does go bad, you're still good. They prepare you for the worst so that you could be at your best when you are needing it the most. Listen, drama is a part of life. If you live completely alone, you won't have any drama. And guess what? You won't fulfill any of heaven's purpose for your life because you cannot fulfill your potential in isolation. In order for you to have a destiny and a calling, it requires relationships with other people. It requires a job for your life. It requires sacrifice and surrender. Like you're going to face dilemmas and because of that, because you have a destiny, you can expect drama. But the more you get in on God's plan, the more you can have peace in your inside world and over time, not immediately. Because it's sometimes easier to panic than it is to progress with peace. But over time, you will see yourself walking stronger and going farther than you would ever have gone before. The problems actually strengthen you when you have peace and when you don't panic. Often the panic of our life is when our expectation of perfection stops us from celebrating our progress, stops us from celebrating what good things are happening. I get it. Some of your 2022 did not go according to plan, but guess what? You're still here. You're still showing up. You're still worshiping God. You're still fighting for his best. He's still first in your life. I tell you, delays and dilemmas, they're a part of every one of our destinies. The sooner we come to agreement with that doesn't mean we're settling for less than God's best. It means God has prepared us with the perspective that we're able to keep going despite the panic or the problems that we might be facing. Because if you're always just expecting perfection, 
like King Herod began to shake because he, he had his perfect plan already laid out and Jesus disrupted it. If you're expecting perfection, you could be in the middle of an amazing moment and all you're thinking about is how that person looked at you, what that person said to you, what that person maybe did to you even years ago, the unforgiveness that might still be there, the tension between a family member or a father or a mother that might be in your life. But you need to remember, God still works perfectly in imperfect moments. God, God, God didn't wait till we were perfect to send his perfect son. God didn't panic. He stayed according to the plan. He has planned for your imperfection from the very beginning. And every morning when you wake up, there's grace and mercy. He already planned for your imperfections today. I think the beautiful thing about Jesus coming in the time that he did and the way that he did, it shows us that God was working something from generations before that would last for forever. It wasn't like God was calling an audible because nothing else worked. Scripture says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. God had already had a plan even before humanity's meltdown in the garden of Eden. God didn't like say, I'm gonna try Abraham. That didn't work. Let me go with Moses. Let's go with David. Let's go with the prophets. He's like, all right, if you want something done right, you gotta go ahead and do it yourself. Then I'll send Jesus. No, his plan from the beginning was to take his people, all of humanity, on a progression that we would need order in God's people. And then Jesus came to bring the invitation for all people, Jews and Gentiles, to become in on God's family. See, God knows what he's doing through all of history's timeline, and he knows what he's doing in the timeline of your life. This is why not everything's got to get figured out or fixed this season or between now and the end of the year. But what you need to do is fix your inner world on the Prince of Peace. So that while God's still making progress in your life, while he's still refining you, that you understand he's the author and the finisher of your faith. And you can keep your peace even in the midst of problems, even in the midst of panic. One of the things I love to watch is like when a football team is like down by a score, but they're too far away for the, the Hail Mary. You know what I'm talking about? And they, they, they just run a play that is the craziest thing you're ever going to see. It's at all, like how many laterals can you do? Like the clock is ticking down and these guys who are highly trained, super skilled athletes look like you and me out there for a few moments. You ever notice that? Like, they're, yeah, they're twice our size and four times faster than us, but they look like they don't know what they're doing. Do you know why that is? It's because they've never done that before. Like, this is just a play. That, they never practiced that. Crazy lateral. It happened a couple weeks ago when the, the Eagles lost their first game versus the Washington Commanders. Like, this giant lineman, I promise you, through his whole football career, never scored a touchdown. He got a touchdown because the Eagles, who were just trying to keep the play alive in one last desperate hope to win, gave him the ball on the one-yard line. It was amazing to watch because these super-trained professionals look like total amateurs. Why? They didn't practice that. At the same time, when... Uh, for us, when, when we don't quite know what to do or how we're gonna get to that, that end zone or that goal or that desire or that place we wanna be, we do this last-ditch effort to throw out all the playbook and just take it on ourselves by any means necessary. And we absolutely look like spiritual weaklings when we give up on the game plan that God's been growing and working for 2,000-plus years. This is why we've gotta learn we don't panic in the midst of problems, we praise our God even though. Even though we stick to the plan. 
when we don't know how we're gonna make it through, we just trust God knows what he's doing in our life. When we're running low on resources, we don't turn off our generosity, we turn our heart to heaven. We keep doing the designed plays because the more we practice this and the more we follow him, the more our heart's in a place where he produces victory in our life. Don't go to your self-reliant playbook. Start and continue to run God's plays. The third thing I want to declare for you is in, you, you know there's going to be problems and there's the opportunity to panic. Be okay with God preparing a new path for you. Now, I'm not saying you got to totally change your life and redirect everything. No, I think the more you walk with him, sometimes you're going to find yourself on a different path than you were before. Like to have peace in the midst of problems, you might need to be positioned in a new place. That's what happened to the Magi, the wise men. They went one way, and the Bible says by a dream, he warned them to go a different way. He, he took them away from King Herod the second time around. They, they were following uh, the right path. They had no other reason to go on this different path except that God said, that's not the path for you to go. Same thing happens to Joseph. In fact, we can read it. It's, it's in Matthew 2, verse 13. As the wise men were gone, an angel shows up again, and Joseph's like, another kid already? No. <laughs> Joseph, the angel shows up in a dream and says, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, and stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. I love the obedience. That night, that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Uh, I, I, I have called my son out of Egypt. Listen, what I'm saying here is that God might have a new place for you to keep moving forward. Uh, maybe a dream has died. You've got to get a God dream that says, hey, this might not be the path you're supposed to be on. Now, don't go changing all the things you've been building for the last decade of your life just because it isn't working. Persistence is beautiful. Patience is beautiful. But when God speaks something new for you to obey, be like Joseph and do it immediately. Because there's something he's trying to save and secure through your quick obedience. For some of you, maybe you've had to get out of that place that felt like home because God was trying to move some of the Herods in your life. Maybe for you, you had to go a different path, even this Christmas season. God is trying to protect something that, maybe he's trying to kill off control in your life, because it's costing you your calling. These derailed plans from time to time might actually be perfect God positioning for you to experience his peace in that place of destiny he's called you to. Egypt was in the plans. Hosea chapter 11, a messianic prophecy that Jesus would be in Egypt. Egypt was not God's plan B, it was his plan A. And just maybe what you think is your plan B is God's plan A. You might find yourself in a delay, a dilemma, a delinquency in your life. It is still the destiny of God. This is what I want to challenge you with, every one of us. If you don't like where you're at, but you can say, I have obeyed the last thing God told me to do, you're perfectly on the right place and right path and right pace for God's plan to, to work in your life. And if you have not obeyed the last thing he's asked of you, what could that obedience be? It might be forgiving someone. It might be taking the high road. 
It might be a, a form of sacrifice or surrender. I'm not gonna tell you what it is because I don't know, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what God is asking of you. But if I, you could say, I have obeyed swiftly and quickly the last thing God's told me to do. I'm telling you, you're on the right path. You might think it's your plan B, but I promise you more often than not, it's God's plan A. I've seen that with our south location. I've seen that with our north location. I've seen that with the starting of our church on the plaza. I have seen some things that felt like plan B, plan C, plan D. But I, over time, I promise you, we're still on the plan A of heaven. With everything we might be facing in your life or in your world, if you're still following the Prince of Peace, even if you've taken some wrong paths up to this point, he has a way of working it out for your favor. When it comes to plans, uh, there's a well-known passage. In fact, every one of you know it, even if you haven't been in church in years, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans God says I have for you. We love this verse, do we not? Like this is such a exhilarating and exciting verse, declares the Lord. Uh, plans to prosper you, that's my favorite part. Come on, who doesn't want a little more prosper in your life? No one else, okay. <laughs> and not to harm you. God says, I got good plans. Plans of, plans of benefit, not, not to take away. Not to strip everything away from you, but to strengthen you. To give you a hope. And I've got a future for you. We love that. We love the word prosper. We like hope. We like future. We like those things. But Jeremiah's audience, who he declared this to, was not obedient in the moment. They'd gone their own path. So God actually was taking them on a 70-year different path. They were going to Babylon. They were going to be in captivity. It's the part maybe they don't tell you. No one puts Jeremiah 29.10 on their Christmas cards or their New Year's declaration. It says, when the 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come back to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this promised place, the promised land. We read 11 more often than 10. Why? We like prosper, but the key word there is not prosper. We like hope, hope is beautiful. Hope is the beginning, the founding place of faith, it's wonderful, but hope's not the key word. The key phrase is not uh, a good ending or a, a good future. It's a great thing, but that's not the key phrase. The key phrase in that passage is, I know the plans. God says, I know the plans of heaven for your life. I know what I'm doing when it comes to you. You thought that was a dead end. You thought that was a derailment. You thought that was a destiny loss. Nope, this is your development. I know what I'm doing. I know the plans. And the more you know him, and the more you follow him, and the more you obey him, and the more he's the center of your everything in your inside world, the more peace you can have even in the midst of problems and panic and delayed plans. See, we often get plans confused with promises. And just because the plan has changed does not mean that the promise is broken. God knows what he's doing when it comes to your life, when it comes to the raising of your kids, when it comes to the healing of your heart, when it comes to the establishment of your, your life, even your career, God knows what he's doing and the plans he has for you. And in the end, they are plans to prosper you. That's why you can have a hope because you have a future where God's plans will prevail. So if we're gonna plan for peace, we gotta understand that peace is a portion that we receive, 
when things are not going according to our plans because we have the presence of God. We have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of us. I want us to center this season, this Christmas time, this December, this last Sunday, last first Sunday of the year. Every first Sunday of the year, we receive communion as a family. That's what we're gonna do together as a family of faith. Plaza online, grab your elements and here in the room. You can go ahead and prepare them. They're on your seat. If you don't have one, you can raise a hand. We'll bring one to you. I'll raise my hand. Thank you, Bill. Look how quickly you, you responded. Now here we're gonna have a little bit of a chaotic moment because as you open these, you're trying to be as quiet as possible. Don't be. We don't care. We have these little space packs that are only for the nimble of fingers that can open. That's why I have mine pre-opened by my friend Bo over there. So let's go ahead and make some noise as you open this because guess what? Life is messy and so is church. So what we're gonna do is for some of you that are not experiencing peace, some of you that are experiencing full-on panic, some of you feel like plans are so delayed or they're dead in the water, we're gonna recenter everything on Jesus. Every season is Jesus' season, but this season in particular, it is a time for us to strip away all the other things. I love the pageantry and the celebration. Let's do it all. Elf on the shelf, we're moving it twice a day. Like we love this stuff but we're gonna get things in right order. We're gonna put our focus and attention on Jesus. We're gonna ask him, do you wanna change the plans I've made? Are these plans submitted to you? If we don't have peace, we're definitely letting him investigate every part of our heart and soul. God, where have I not put you first? Where have I tried to control? Where's that little bit of King Herod on the inside of me that's shaking violently to get things my way? God, I'm getting out of the way and I'm asking you to go first. On the Plaza of North, why don't you stand to your feet as we receive communion. You can take the bread in your hand. I wanna pray for us. Jesus, you said that when we gather, we're to receive this, this symbol of a dinner with you. And we'll receive it into our physical bodies as a representation of a spiritual truth that you're living on the inside of us. Jesus said your body was broken so that brokenness between us and God could be made whole and the brokenness on the inside of us could be restored. So Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your life. You're alive and well today. You're living on the inside of us as believers. But we take this moment to remember that we were once without connection to God. We were once lost in our sin. We once had no way to save ourselves. So you sent this gift at Christmas, the gift of Jesus to save us to secure us in the family of faith. In our inside world, there's some areas, God, that we cannot fix or solve ourselves. but we're turning to the same savior of our soul to be the one who strengthens and restores and orders our inside world. Where there's been anxiety and insecurity and frustration and fear, we think that the Prince of Peace rules and reigns in that place in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's receive the bread. As you hold the cup, let's pray. God, we're asking you to investigate every part of our heart, anything that's out of alignment, anywhere where we've been in control. If we've been manipulating or even frustrated with you because you haven't done things our way, we take a moment to repent. We missed it, but we're not gonna miss this moment to say that you're first. You're absolutely first in every area of our life. I thank you as a church family, individually, and as married couples, and as every young person, 
everyone in Kingdom Kids. Lord, I thank you for Kingdom City Church, that we would be the people whose focus is Jesus, that his same heartbeat would be on the inside of us, a heart for all of humanity. Lord, any hard place of our heart, let this little bit of juice that represents your blood, let it find the thirsty and dry places of our inside spiritual world and saturate it with your goodness and your grace. Restore us the joy of salvation. Secure in us our trust and hope in you. And bring your peace. Let us be the people in such a tumultuous season all around the planet, but even in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our own homes. Let us be the people that are centered on Christ and filled with his peace and walking according to his plan. Thank you, God, for including us in your plan of salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Receive of the cup. These next few moments, we're going to worship together. And I want you to worship from that place of surrender. Let's have an outward demonstration of an inward belief. As we sing and as we praise, lift your hands to heaven and go ahead and say, I surrender my plan according to God's plan. God, I don't want things to happen according to my calendar. I want you to craft your plan for my life. Where I've been anxious, I'm receiving your peace. When I've been in control, I'm giving you my surrender. Where I've been frustrated or in fear, I'm putting my faith back in you. And I, where I haven't obeyed in yesterday, I'm choosing to obey today so that I can see your future in my tomorrow. Come on, church, let's worship together.